Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. This morning we continue our series, Family Reunion, where we explore in God's Word what it means for us as a church community, a congregation, to be godly. And the scripture is, is full of that, the imagery and those words, that idea that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. So as we gather this morning, we continue this series. We do so, let's begin with prayer. Holy Spirit, we pray that you'd open our ears and our hearts to be transformed, to be shaped by the grace and mercy and the love of our God. We pray this in the name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. Well, this morning I've got a question for you. The question is, were you ever in a situation where there was more of a mess than you wanted there to be? Anyone have a situation like that? Ever have more of a mess than you ever wanted there to be? You know, and, and life can be messy, right? Life can be really messy, but I'm not talking just about life. I'm just thinking, you know, practically speaking. I'll give you an example. You know, just a little over a year ago, right before the pandemic happened, a lot of things closed up, a lot of things changed, we brought a mess into our household, into our lives. It's a cute, little, adorable mess called a puppy. Oh, yeah, you know, there's Rocky. So you know that we have this puppy named Rocky, a golden doodle. You know, we, we traveled all the way down into Missouri, almost to the Arkansas border, to pick up this puppy. And we brought him back. This is like, this is the car drive home. He's just so cute and adorable. But you know, if you've ever had a puppy before, you know, let alone a dog, but especially a puppy, I mean, they're wonderful, but they can make a lot of mess. He gets into all kinds of things. He's gotten to the trash before, and he's made a mess. You know, or those stuffed toys. And then I found out Golden Doodles love to chew things up. And so Rocky is known for getting a toy. We're bringing a new toy home for him, sometimes several toys. Like we're going to be doing something, maybe a Zoom meeting with family. And you think this will entertain him for a while. Within less than an hour, that toy and that stuffing is everywhere in the house. Or we've even bought toys that are like indestructible toys. Toys made from like the water hose that firemen and firefighters would use to put out a fire. That's strong, sturdy stuff. Less than an hour, he had torn it all apart. And if he was quiet, you know, in the middle of tearing things apart, then you got to listen because you figure that inside that little mouth of his is this little tiny plastic squeaker that he's got a hold of that he does not want you to have. Well, you know, wonderful, adorable little dog that he is, you know, he makes a mess, but it's a cute and adorable, but it's a mess. Of course, the biggest mess he made is when he ate so much of that stuffing, it got stuck inside of his gut, and that was a financial mess to the vet as they had to open that up and got a fistful of stuffing out of his stomach. But he's just adorable. You know, making a mess sometimes is great, though. Imagine, you know, I love to cook for people, and so, you know, as we kind of began to return to a normal sense of life, I love having people over, even for my family, and I love to cook. But when you cook, Especially if you're cooking a lot of things, got a lot of things going on, you start getting dishes and things pile up, and sometimes got stuff shoved to the side. I mean, just ask my family. I can make a mess when I'm cooking in the kitchen, but I love to cook. I love to serve others as I cook. You know, or talk about it's Father's Day, and one of the great things to do as a father, not just a father, but you don't remember this as a father, is to make a mess of like, you know, the, the living room area or the bedroom. You get all the pillows and, and the blankets. You make like a fort. Anyone ever do that before? My brothers and I would do that. You know, growing up, we'd have, you know, a blankets and, and pillows, and then we'd dig into the dirty part of the dirty clothes hamper, and we'd pull out those old stinky socks and make a ball out of them. We'd have sock wars. I got in trouble a few times, I think, you know, taking naps when we were having sock wars, making a mess. 
You know, but life is like that. Life can be messy. And what we discover in God's word, that, that our lives are messy. Not just our own lives individually, but our lives as a community of believers, as a group of Christians, as a church, as a family of God, it can be messy. And we see this often in Scripture as God's people, well, they, they struggle with sin. They're, they're, they're selfish. They're, they're, they're misguided. And not just, again, in an individual person's life and their relationship with God, but our relationship and our interaction with others. It can get messy. And this is what we're going to land on today. And this truth we land on today is this. We are constantly, constantly, we are constantly reorientating ourselves to exist for the sake of others. And this is what Paul is going to drive home in, in this letter that he writes to the church in Galatia. That we are, we are reorientating our lives because, you know, if your life is like my life, it's messy. In the relationships I have with others, it can be messy sometimes. It's easy for me to be selfish and self-absorbed and self-directed. And yet God's Spirit works inside of me and my faith to help me reorientate my life, to live in the love and grace that God has for me, that he has for you, that he has for the world in his son, Jesus Christ. Let's read our focus verse here from Galatians 5.13. Let's read this together. For you are called to freedom, brothers and sisters... Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Rather, through love, serve one another. So before we kind of dig into this verse here, let's give a little background as to why Paul wrote this letter. Again, you know, Paul wrote most of the epistles, which is an old term for letters, wrote most of the letters that we have in the New Testament in the Bible. And this letter that he wrote to the church in Galatia was not just a single congregation, but rather to a group of Jesus followers in this region called Galatia. And Galatia was kind of part of modern-day Turkey, to kind of give you a little geographical concept here. And he writes this letter because, well, let's kind of back up a little further. In, in the beginning of the Christian church, this Jesus movement, it was primarily made up of Jewish followers of Jesus. The people, the Hebrew people, the people of Israel, the people who had long anticipated and waited for the promised Messiah, the Savior, to come. And Jesus came and, and he taught and he taught them with, with such amazing things and truths about God's grace and love. He performed these miracles and then he suffered and died. He rose again. This, this Savior, he came. But he didn't just come for the Jewish people. It was just for the Hebrew people. He, he came for all of humanity, all of people, you and me and every single person that has ever lived and breathed. And so it didn't take long before this Jesus movement branched off and grew beyond just the Jewish people to include non-Jewish people. They called them the Gentiles. And as that began to happen, there began to kind of be some of these struggles and questions. It got kind of messy. It got kind of messy as the church grew, and this Jesus movement grew, and they're trying to figure out, you know, who are we and, and how do we live in this understanding of God's family, this multi-ethnic, multicultural family of God. And that's exactly what we see unfolding here in Galatia. Because as Paul writes this letter to this group of Jesus followers, these Christians, he's writing this letter to, because he's both saddened and... Um, Frustrated, he's kind of angry. He even calls them, you foolish Galatians at one time. You know, who has bewitched you? Who's carried you off onto the wrong direction? 
Because what happened is some of these, these Jewish followers of Jesus, these Jewish Christians, you know, believed that, well, to, to really be a part of God's family, we know what it was like. You had certain rules and, and, and traditions that you followed, and we still have to follow those. Like, you know, you have to have kosher food. There's certain foods you could eat and certain foods you couldn't eat. And there was um, certain things you did and certain things you didn't do. You, you, you honored the Sabbath, and, and, and then all the males, all the males had to be circumcised. And that became a big point of conflict. So some of the ones from Jerusalem went to Galatia again, telling these non-Jewish followers of Jesus, look, if you're going to really be a part of God's family, you know, not only do you have to believe that Jesus was the promised Messiah, but you've got to be circumcised. And some of them were. Ouch. And, and, and Paul, you know, says, wait a second. Did you understand what you're doing? We have freedom in Jesus. We have freedom because this is the God who came to serve the world by the God who created all things, the king of the universe, stepping into our world in human flesh to live a perfect life that we could not live. Jesus, who never sinned, never disobeyed, always you know, served the Father's plan. And then in addition to that, he takes all the times that we were selfish all the times that we were you know, self-absorbed, all the times that we did things the way that we wanted to do it for our own gratification. He took all of those sins, those wrongdoings, upon himself at the cross. And he gives us freedom. Freedom from this burden of the law. Freedom from this, this idea that we have to do something. We have to be something. We have to be so good in God's love to be a part of God's Family. Paul says, you know, when, when you start telling people they have to be circumcised, that they have to eat kosher foods, that you, you're placing them back under the law. He goes, we have freedom. So as we kind of pull this text apart, you know, Paul says, you know, for you are called to freedom, brothers and sisters. And I, and I love here that he uses, again, that family language, brothers and sisters. Now, technically, in case you know Greek and you go to your Greek Bible and look it up in the Nouveau Testamentum, that's the Greek New Testament, um, you'll find that it really just says brothers, and some translations just say brothers, but really the concept is the sense of brothers and sisters, this, this family of believers. So you are called to freedom. This is calling. You are called to live in freedom, to live in the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ, to live in the freedom that we have of not fearing God because of how good we are not, trying to be as good as we can be but not being good enough, to live in the freedom that God's grace and love gives us in Jesus Christ. The life is messy. And just like, you know, it is for our lives today, at least it's like my life, I don't know about your life, and not just because I have a puppy at home as cute and as adorable as he is, because I'm a sinner. I, I, I'm sometimes self-absorbed and selfish and, you know, want to, you know, satisfy my own desires. It's easy for life to get messy. And as Paul writes this letter, it, in many ways, it's like he's writing to, you know, the Christians here today, not just here at Holy Savior, but, but the church living today in the 21st century. It's messy because we always want to add things, you know, to what God expects of us. You know, we always want to, you know, chase after our own desires. We, we always want to think of ourselves first. Paul says that's not how we live in this freedom. We, we live in this freedom. We use this freedom we have as an opportunity not to serve ourselves, 
but to serve one another. In fact, he even says, and he reflects on the words of what Jesus has. And if you know from the Gospels, there is this conversation Jesus is having with a guy who's like, hey, I've been pretty good. You know, look at how well I've done. And he begins kind of ticking off the things that he's done. And, you know, says, how do I know for certain that God loves me? And Jesus is like, what does the law say, you know? And then he sums it up. The summary of the law in kind of two main points. Love the, good, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love God with your entire being. And the second, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love others as you love yourself. Serve in love. Serve just as the one who served himself for us by giving his life for us at the cross. We are called to serve one another in love. In fact, Jesus, you know, demonstrates that in, when he's in the upper room and, and he washes the disciples' feet, you know. The teacher does not wash the feet of the disciples. Usually we'd have some kind of slave do that, yet Jesus takes the lowest position and serves them to show them how they are to interact and to live with one another, to show us how we are to interact and live with one another and how we are to live in this community and this world that God has placed us, to serve others in love. The love that God has for us is not a love that we have earned. It's not a love that we deserve. And so when we serve others, they don't always earn it or deserve it. But we serve them in love because our service and love reflects the service and love that God has for us in Jesus Christ. Serve one another in love. Paul picks up on this a number of other times. In Philippians 2, let's read together. Don't act out of selfish ambition or be conceited. Instead, humbly... Think of others as being better than yourselves. Now, this doesn't mean get walked on top of by other people. What Paul is saying is, you know, serve others. You know, think of their needs. You know, be there for others. In love, serve them. And this is where Paul in Philippians gets into really talking about Jesus, who, though he was God, humbled himself to become a servant to all humanity by dying on the cross for our sins. And a text we touched on a little earlier in this series, in Romans 12, 10, let's read together. Be devoted to each other like a loving family. Excel in showing respect for each other. Excel in showing respect. Excel in showing love. Excel in serving and being there for one another and loving one another. Now that, that theme of serving and loving one another is our God has served us in love, in love. as he continually serves us and love. You know, again, here's the truth that we land on as we look at this text from Paul. As Paul speak these words nearly 2,000 years ago, he wrote this letter. It's like he spoke those words to us today. We read together, we are constantly reorienting ourselves to exist for the sake of others. How many of you are always thinking of someone else first? How many of you have ever been selfish? I'm like the only one putting, okay, thank you. I felt really scared as like one or two hands went up. I'm like, I'm the only one um, who's ever been, I've been selfish. You just ask people that know me. We are constantly, and that's God's spirit working in our lives. And that's a great thing is God didn't say, all right, you are selfish, I'm done with you. God says, you are selfish, but I still love you. And I sent my son to die for you because I love you. And then he gives us that second opportunity to reorientate our lives around his love and love in serving one another, and loving and serving this world. 
So here's the challenge for us as we go out into this new week. The challenge is this. What simple yet selfless thing can you do to serve someone else in the name of Christ? You think about that. I mean, we, we've been working on a strategic plan, our strategic vision, and we talked about, you know, what are we about at Holy Savior? We're about growing in Jesus and sharing. sharing. We're going to grow in Jesus. We're going to grow in that attitude of service and love. We're going to share his love. We're going to share his love, you know, in many ways. But one of the ways we're going to do that is by serving others selflessly, serving others in the love that Jesus has for us. Just a simple way. You know, and if you've got a great story to share, you should go to our social media page. You can go onto Twitter or Facebook and you know, share the story a way that you were able to serve and share that love with someone else. Let's pray. Lord God, we give you thanks and praise for your love for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you were willing to serve us by giving your life for us. We pray, Lord, that just as you gave your life and love for us, so Lord, we are willing to serve others in love. And Lord, in small, simple ways, and quiet ways, Lord, to the ways we do this individually as a family, as a group of people, as a family, a congregation, Lord, as you send us out into this world, that we may serve and love one another and love and serve the world in which you placed us, that we live in and share the love that you have for us, Jesus. This we pray in your name. Amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, God.